Okay, I'm ready. You guys ready? Cool. Let's rock and roll. Hey, I'm Andrew. This is the Nerve Podcast, and thanks for joining me on this episode. In this week's episode, I speak to Glenn Berridge, the owner of The Music Box. We talk about his venue and how he's trying to create an environment in which local music can grow. Hey, 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 it's Friday again. So glad to be putting out another episode of the podcast. This podcast or this episode is a little bit different to the other ones that I've done so far. This one's a little bit rougher than the others. The reason being, I had this conversation at the CBL, which is the Craft Beer Library in Roosevelt Park. If you guys don't know about it, just close to the Botanical Gardens. If you're into craft beer, you want a nice venue, this is the place to go. So it was recorded there at the CBL, so you'll hear a lot of background noise, which is happy people enjoying themselves on a Friday afternoon, which is pretty much what I'm going to be doing later today. If you want to join me for a beer, drop me a message. I had this chat with Glenn. I'm not going to go into too much detail. We speak extensively about his venue, the music box. I love this place. I came across this place about two years ago, and I just simply love going to watch live music there. Anyway, here's this week's episode. I hope you enjoy. So I suppose I always like to start with how, how I've met people. Yes. And I mean, you know, like the other day we were talking uh, that it's uh, two years ago that, uh, that I came to your venue and met you for the first time. And I think what stuck out for me, obviously the artist I was coming to see, we'll talk about that artist now, but the artist that I came to see, every time I see that artist, I'm always blown away. It doesn't matter how many times I've seen seen the show. But I think what 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 made the most impact on me was the venue because it was so nice and intimate. And uh, so the beginning of the year, when I was writing down a list of names of people that I would like to get to know better, I'd put your name down on the list. Oh, that's amazing! Anyway, I would gotta I gotta go see old Glenn again, and um, and then it was funny. Then I saw the um, the, the advert for talk about Dan now, Dan's uh, gig yeah. at your spot and I thought okay that's going to be the, the best opportunity to come and chat to you about doing the podcast and then luckily last Friday we were pulling you to the uh, craft beer library and there you were and I thought okay well I've got to you know it's a sign from the universe meant to be yeah. <laughs> it's meant to be yeah. so um, until then I didn't realise that you rode motorcycles as well yeah as well so yeah. let's start with motorcycles before we talk about your your venue Okay, well, really started riding from a very early age, but um, I think for me the main thing with bikes is really the philosophy behind what it means to be free and able to do just whatever you want. Also a bit of a rebel on the side, so it kind of echoes that part of my character, not doing the norm, but it's um, not part of a club or anything, but just do my own thing. Okay. And you ride, what are you riding at the moment? I'm on a fat boy. 
fat boy. Yeah. yeah. And have you had bikes, other bikes before? Yeah, before that, before that I had a R1. Ooh. And then before that I was living in India, so I had an Enfield. Okay. And before that in Holland I had a 354 Honda. And then here in South Africa, the XT 500. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, don't you wish you kept kept the XT because I it might quite be worth a lot of money. Yeah, now. exactly. Yeah. A lot of guys are, are picking them up now and uh, restoring them back to what the original, you know, what they looked like when they came out the factory. Yeah. Uh, they're like almost like becoming hen's teeth now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Now the Thumper's beautiful bike. Yeah. yeah. Malcolm Smith Tankon. Yeah. Actually, a friend of mine bought it from me and went all around Namibia, down to Cape Town. I don't think there's much left of it. So, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, what did you think of the infield when you were in India? Well, it was, it was 350, yeah. and it was um, the best thing that you could have yeah. in India. Yeah. And um, fixed it up like you get that little rocket part that you put on the end of the exhaust pipe that actually magnifies the sound a bit. Oh yeah. Beautiful bike, amazing. Yeah. 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 So I've got, I've got, I don't know if I told you, but I've got one. Right, yeah. I've got a 2006 Bullet Electro. Yeah. So obviously this is the carb before the fuel injection. The 500? Yeah, 500. Yeah. yeah like, I mean, they don't go very fast. No. But uh, they're actually quite a blast to ride because they're very forgiving. You know, they rattle like shit, but... Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But I mean, talking about Harley, I always thought that, I um, always had this thing about, because you know, I'm a BM guy, you know, the Harley guys, they park over there and the BM guys park over there. Yeah. And uh, I always thought that, you know, that, oh, man, they just rattle so much and everything. Until I actually rode one. And I thought, well, this is actually, it's actually not a bad bike. No, they're <laughs> solid now. Yeah, I know, they're They don't bikes. vibrate much. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, normally you sat, you sat at the traffic light and you saw somebody next to you on a Harley and they're, engines vibrating on the mounts not anymore yeah. no 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 yeah mm. look i mean i think the new ones now yeah. even more so than before oh yeah yeah although funny enough i actually enjoy the older ones now than uh than i enjoy the new ones yes. like uh, i went and test rode um some hollies recently and they made a um a new decision that the test bikes the demo bikes have no mods in them they're completely standard as they come out of the factory with the standard pipes, everything. Mm. And they were actually very uninspiring, if you know what I mean. Yes. When I rode this bike, well, it didn't, didn't move me. Whereas before when I'd been to test ride a bike, they've got slip-ons on, yes. you know, they've got all the, you know, got some accessories on, you know, they've got the extended foot pegs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you go and ride that bike and get off that bike and you think, whoa, man, I've got to have one of those. So I said to the guy, listen, I don't know how you're going to sell bikes like this because guys have got a thing in their, in their head about, um, about Harleys and then they come and they ride it and it's not what they expected it to be. So I don't know, that's just my opinion. Yeah. No, well, the, the accessories are really, I think, where they make their money, you know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I bought a little, uh, my passenger seat comes off, so I bought this almost uh, just a ton of leather, 800 yeah. bucks. Yeah. And it's, it means nothing. It's, yeah. But it's, Four and a half grand for a little saddle bag, you know, it's yeah. silly money. Yeah, it is silly money. But it's, uh, it's amazing, there's Milwaukee, the Milwaukee, um, which is really the, the new generation of Harleys. Yeah. Amazing bikes, eh? really, yeah. the technology behind them. Mm. And I think much better than India, although I've never even ridden one. 
Yeah. But I went and I had a look in, in, at the showroom in Melrose Arch. Yeah. I wasn't impressed at all. Oh, really? Yeah. I must admit, um, I went to the bike festival last year. They had um, the, the Indian bikes there uh, for demo. You could take them out on the track on Kailami. And um, yeah, I would, I would say I'd much rather ride a Harley. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me the story behind the music box. Well, How did you start? Uh, yeah, the music, actually I'm a, a, a djembe player, you know, hand percussion mm. drum from West Africa. Okay. So, the idea was to create a venue where I could teach. And if you're teaching every Tuesday night in the suburbs, you're going to get shut down very quickly. Because yeah. you've got ten of those playing, uh, people uh, complain very quickly. So I decided to go under my house okay. in order to create an almost soundproof room, room that yeah. I could teach in without any problems. Okay. And I had this old friend um, who lived in Troyville and he was a bit of a maniac and he had lots of good ideas of how and what to do. I had another architect friend who helped me with the really the nitty gritty of it. And I decided to go under, which meant I'd have to first of all brace the roof, then bash out all the walls in the house, okay. and then remove the foundations and go under. Whoa. So it's a 10 year project to build. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, and then I think I had three lessons, and that was all. I didn't you're really. Kidding yeah, me. I didn't. That didn't really. You know, the djembe is almost like a. Karate, you go and you buy the suit, you go for one or two yeah. lessons and then you're done. Eh? Oh, okay. It's too much effort. And uh, so the djembe never, the lessons never really, uh, really worked like that. Okay. And decided to sort of get on the house concert wagon. And that movement is actually quite a big movement of people that give house concerts from Desendorn Lindbergh's soirees that they yes. used to have and more and more people are doing it but what I've got is like a proper yeah proper setup it's not mm. just a couple of straw bales in your garage and yes. you give a concert so and then the the focus on obviously live South African music but the music industry itself is a is quite an interesting entity and that's really what I'm interested in making relationships with people in the industry. Yes. Because it just so happens that my property also backs out onto the observatory driving range, which is in effect a 7,000 people venue, open uh, outdoor venue that's 10 times better than Zoo Lake. So the potential to actually do something out there, although I haven't done one and yes. it's still only very much a thought. Just a very interesting entity, South African sure. music. Well, I must admit, I've always been into music, obviously. Local music in particular. I think I might have mentioned to you last Friday when we were here that we used to go to the Dog Box, which is the Elba Hotel. I think Clive Rice had his karaoke bar upstairs, and then downstairs was the Dog Box, which was actually a pool hall. But on a Thursday night, there was a guy, Josh Sutoli, he would go and play, pitch up there with his ovation guitar and his mic, and then he would play all the old stuff, Blueberry Hill, you know, yeah. Rodriguez, and all that kind of stuff. And that place used to be packed, you know, and it was just 
it was so nice to watch live music in an intimate space. Yeah. And I suppose coming to your spot actually took me back to that. Because how many people do you... Do uh, max about 60. 60, yeah. yeah. So you've got this small downstairs room, you're fitting 60 people in there, yeah. and you're putting someone like Dan Poklansky or you know, one of the other artists that you host in the small intimate place. Yeah. I mean, there's, for, I was just talking about it, I get goosebumps. Yeah. Uh, for me, there's no better experience yeah. than going to watch someone. It's a very challenging uh, um, venue for artists to perform in because it's very confrontational because there's no, like at the radium, you'll have tables and people eating and yeah. ordering peri-peri chicken yeah. and all of that. Whereas the, the meal that I serve is separate to where the actual venue is. Yes. So the venue is very focused and you can't, as an artist, sort of hide anywhere. The stage is not even a meter exactly. in breadth, and all the focus is on you. Yeah. So it's, I would say, almost like a laboratory. Like for example, Dan now, it's the first time he's doing a duo electric tour, electric, yeah. intimate duo electric tour, because before his concept of electric was just to have those amps cooking and blast yeah. out the hall or blast out the venue, whereas now he's, I think, conforming to the venues that he plays acoustic in and bringing his electric show in there. Yeah. So it becomes a laboratory. So now he's testing out what could possibly happen in New York or London yeah. or Paris. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll know if it works or if it doesn't work and yeah. how it works and what he needs to do to tweak it. So it, it is, a um, number one, is confrontational, but number two, it's a... Uh, it really is a place where you can experiment. Mm. But having said that, the well, good thanks, yeah. the um, I think the South African audience is very fickle and not really up to new things or new concepts or new ideas. They would rather sit in F and B stadium miles away watching the artist on a screen as long as it's, as long as it's an international sure, artist exactly. and eating a crappy hot dog and standing in a long queue for a plastic beer glass of you know yeah. rubbish by the time you get there it's warm you've yeah. had a couple of those you need to go to the toilets and it's raining and, and it's if raining, you're standing yeah. out you yeah. know there's so many different factors whereas what i'm doing is is more catered towards I suppose the more adventurous, but as soon as people, uh, like, believe it or not, a lot of people don't know Dan Petlansky. Which, which amazes me. Yeah. Because, uh, just to cut in there, I can remember when he opened for Bruce Springsteen. Yes. And, okay, I didn't go to the concert, but um, everyone that went, that I, I said, so what did you think of the opening act? Yeah. So, like, never, didn't even know him. Yeah. But they thought he was amazing, yeah. but never yeah. never heard of him before. Yeah. And for me, that's a problem yeah. in South Africa. Well, he's, you know, Dan is one of the only people that I, uh, only artist that really I can bet on it that it's going to fill. Mm. That there's going to be a waiting list. So for my video, yeah. yeah for so video, for the music yeah. box. And um, you've got people like the Runaway Train Cult. I don't know if you know them. Yeah, I've heard of them. Dan Roberts and uh, his daughter and uh, amazing musicians, fantastic. I mean, if you really want a good party, they, they're just amazing. You know, difficult to find the people 
difficult to fill. And that's a problem that I have with the industry is the fact that the artists themselves don't really have the mechanism. They just think, okay, the venue must supply the people. We'll bring our skill. But your skill as a musician is 50% what you, your chops on the musical instrument or your yeah. voice, and the other 50% is your business acumen. What, what drives, how, how are you able to make that machine work for you? Because it's a brand, right? It's a brand, it's a but brand. It's, it's, it's very, very, it's complicated because you've actually got to have relationships with your fans. You can't have this sort of aloofness between you and your fan. It's like when you're on stage, you can't be have an aloofness between the, the, the space between the fans and you sitting on stage is not dead space. You've got to actually make that work for you. And that's the same for when you're putting on a gig that so that when the uh, artist presses uh, the button on their website yeah. or on their Facebook page, there must be so many people wanting to see them. And that's what yeah. happens with Dan, yes. that they get in contact with the venue and so yeah. it goes. The venue itself is, is just a, a vessel. So obviously the vessel itself has got to have relationships, which I do, but not as many relationships as uh, the musicians should have because the musician is out there all the time. That's what they do. Whereas what I do is not, I do, Last year I did five shows in a year, which isn't really all that much, but it's bespoke. It's, it's very, very Specific, particular. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you choose who you want to host or, or you got, have you got artists coming to you or how does, how does it work? I choose, I, I have a lot of people wanting to play, but I know there's, they've got no business mechanism behind it, mm. which is a problem. So I know I'm only going to get what um, people I can through my um, database, uh, attract to the venue. Those are the only people I'm going to have, and that's not good enough. Uh, I'm not at the stage yet where, when I push the button, I get 60 people. Although it yeah. doesn't sound like a lot, it is a lot. Yeah. So, I'd, for example, Art Matthews, I've been chasing him forever. Uh, Jesse Clegg, been chasing yeah. him forever. Um, Arno Carstens, uh, you know, there are a lot of people out there that you would think are very easy to approach, but if you're looking at 60 people and uh, somebody like Matthew Moore wants 30k, mm. how's that going to work? I, 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 you know, my ticket price for 60 people, yeah. because I get the whole package, everything, all your drinks, all your food, the show, coffee, tea, cake, is all in the ticket price, yeah. and the artist gets a fair whack of that. Yes. So it's, it's very difficult to strike the happy medium between uh, amazing artists that are going to attract, but also uh, be experimental enough that you can have some sort of off the chart, like for example the Runaway Train Cult, been going with them for a couple of years now, yeah. and now they are attracting more people to my venue. Yes. So it's, it's um, you know, I actually need more contact and more um, artists that are willing to say, okay, maybe not 25k, but I'm willing to do it for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah. And Dan is, you know, is one of the best 
uh, if not the best blues guitarist in our country. Yeah, and exactly. he's and I mean he's more than hey, he's worldwide. He's this is going to be the ninth show we're hosting for him. That's, that's amazing. So the quality's yeah. there, you know. We've had uh, Albert Trust. We've had oh, I love Albert. Uh, Hot Sticks Mabusa. Mm. We've had Robin Ald. We've had. Dave Ferguson. I mean, there's there's a huge pool yeah. of, of artists that we've had, but it it almost takes a certain amount of persistence, and you know you've got to come year after year after year to build the following, and the following is the artist and the venue. Yeah, sure. But we've got to have enough attraction on both sides. Both so sides, it's yeah. I have so many people phoning and saying, listen. I can do this, I can do that, can we come and do a performance? And I know they're only going to, 20 people are going to come, yeah. that's not good enough. Not good I enough, need yeah. at least 45, 50 sure. to make it happen. So how long, how long have you been doing this now? This is, we turn seven in June this year. So seven years. Mm. Well, it took 10 years to build and then yes. this is the seventh year running. Okay. And then, I mean, before that, doing any sort of promotions before? I no. mean, your, is the name of your promotions is the hotspot? Now, Hotspot Concerts is, hot is really concert. the sort of umbrella. I could do a Hotspot Concert here at CBL. Okay. So Hotspot Concerts really is about uh, looking at house concerts broadly. Okay. More intimate, small, intimate venue kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. But it, it kind of, generally the small intimate venues run themselves. So I'm talking about somebody who's got and I haven't even done one outside of the music box, but that was the concept. And I'm actually really only focused on the music box because I need, I need to get that like really going properly first. You know? yeah. So, for instance, you've got your setup there; it's all, all nicely organised. And I mean, in terms of sound and all that kind of stuff, do the artists they organise their own sound? No, it's all there. It's all all there. they have to do is front, front line. So. Yeah. Uh, in front of the desk, anything that yeah. comes out of the desk to microphones, everything. But the, uh, from the back line behind the, the desk is all there. Yeah. And that's nice because yeah. you know if you've got to set that up every time, that I think that's what I like about the barnyard kind of setup. Yes. And that when you go watch a show at the barnyard, is that the sound is being set up yeah. once, yeah. and it, and it's not like every time you go there it has to be reset up. Yeah. All you've got to do is get the mix right, yeah. and then. Generally, we have a sound engineer to come and do the sound check and make sure everything's right. A lot of the time, the artists themselves have their own sound engineer, or they do it themselves, or I bring in. So that is a very important part of it. And I think one of the plus points for the music box is that the sound is really, really good. Because sometimes I've got nine speakers going not yeah. like blasting you but yeah. they're going and they really fill up the space and with the different textures of the rock and the smoothness of the wall yeah. and the velvet and the sponge yeah. it, it kind of creates yeah. a multi faceted medium for the sound to bounce in and soak off so the setup of the like you're saying with the acoustics in there yeah. were those set up specifically for your drum djembe thing no. or was it afterwards when you said okay i'm going to do yeah. I want to have music artists yeah. say, okay, let's get this right. Yes, exactly. Okay, that's amazing. And you can that's still amazing. go further. I mean, I've got 
Pro Sound. They're behind uh, me uh, a lot of the time. They've got a system in there that is just on uh, consignment, if you like. Okay. Uh, people like Dan don't like that because it's very clean and digital. They like the more analog what I've got yeah. set up. We can so we can swap in yeah. between the one and the other. Okay, that's great. So, but I have got and I'm building more and more. It's all about relationships, like yeah. any business. So those relationships are building and there's some people that don't want to watch live music shows anywhere else but at the yes. And that's why it's also very important that I get the right mix of music and try and find amazing acts that more often than not wouldn't be heard and give them a chance but there's the problem of filling the place. Yeah. So it would be ideal to have like sponsorship because I'm registered with Samro and so I've got my live music license but they it's very difficult to get funding from them. But to get funding from them, for example, to host three shows a year would be fantastic because yes. then I would be able to pick and choose and even if only 30 people come, it doesn't matter, the artists get paid properly. Because sure. I really, that's... My first obligation is to make sure that the artist is paid yeah. properly. And sometimes I do them a favor by saying no, because I know that they're just going to come there for, you know, that whole thing about, are oh, you going to get exposure? You know, how many exposures? My rent costs me 6,000 exposures, you know what yeah. I mean? Exposures don't really count for anything. So we need to make sure people walk away well paid yeah. and that's why you know for me going into places like that place downtown downtown uh, Joburg yeah which one Fox Fox one Fox yeah, yeah. 50 bucks yeah to get in and it's cavernous you can't even hear anything it's just all and you know 50 bucks to see black cat bones now I'm yeah. thinking so now if I my ticket is 475 and you can see them for 50 and half the time you're not really interested in what they, who they are anyway. Yeah. You'd rather go there. So I'm, I'm competing. Uh, some bands that do that, I, I, it's, it's very difficult for me to say, okay, come yeah. and play here. And <laughs> if you look at what, what happens with Dan, I'm his most expensive ticket in South Africa. Dan, like now with this new electric, uh, Duo Electric, mm. it's 525 ticket. It's the most expensive ticket that he charged that you have to pay to to see him. To see him. But you got to understand what you're getting. Exactly. You're getting dinner. Yeah. And you know what? Another thing that I liked about coming to your venue was that I met other people that like the same kind of music that I like. Yeah. So here we are at the CBL. I met Fritz that night yes. that I came to watch Dan at your spot. Yeah. But you meet people as well because it's intimate. You sit around just to describe it. I mean, it's your house, yeah, right? Exactly. You're sitting in your dining room, yeah. in your living room, yeah. eating dinner with other people yeah. that you've never met before. You're forced to speak to people. Yeah, and you're forced to meet new people. Yeah. And you've got a common interest because you're coming to watch this particular artist. Yeah. For me, that's, I mean, you go to any other concert. Yeah. Unless you're standing in the queue to get into the Golden Circle, that's yeah. when you yeah. bond with some people. Yeah. Generally, you walk into the venue, you have the experience and you walk away mm. and yeah, it's, well, it's you were isolated in your, in your own world, you know? And, well, um, exactly. If you're looking at the... Um, so let's say you, you come in the door, you're given a welcome drink, 
Then you maybe mingle upstairs a little bit, go outside. There's a whole space out there that you can uh, sort of chat around fires, whatever. Come in and you get your food in the kitchen. You either inside, as you say, in the excuse me dining room or wherever. Then you go and you watch the show. Then from the show you come out for half time, yeah. and you have coffee, tea, and cake, and yeah. have to mingle again. So it's it's not you just not sitting in one place around one table watching one show with yeah. your one little set of friends. Yes. You're constantly being moved in and out of venues or areas, which then automatically bring you in contact with different people. And it is more about you know having a, a, a night out where you're not just uh, with your own friends. You, you say with, with like-minded people. But you know, the thing is that it also gives you an opportunity to be in a homely atmosphere, but really also in a nightclub theater atmosphere yeah. in one shot. Because I mean, after the show is finished, people tend to hang around and yeah. get a bit of a DJ music yeah. going there. Because yeah. I can remember, we used, after Dan had finished, we stuck around for a bit, yeah. another drink or two, yeah. danced and downstairs. Yeah. Plug in your phone. Yeah. And uh, exactly. Now that that also is organic, and it depends on who stays or, behind yeah. and what phone plugged in. And but the idea is that it's it's it should be a rounded. Look, I don't like going to see. I might be biased, but I don't like going to see live music anywhere else because it's number one. I can't hear it when I'm yeah. at the radium. You know, and that's the closest thing. You know, if you're looking at at venues with kind of a soul, you know, yeah. there aren't many venues in Johannesburg. Look at yeah. what happened to uh, the Orbit. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's very difficult to pay high street rent and keep a venue going. Now, yeah. even though I only do five shows a year, or last year, five shows, doesn't mean to say that um, I'm not open. I yeah. mean, my venue's been going now for seven years. Where's the venues? small venue, intimate venue, delivering that quality that has been going, going that for long? that long time. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's no threat at all because uh, there's zero rent. I, I could lock up downstairs and never use it again and not, it's, it's paid for. Paid for. It's paid for. Yeah. Those 10 years, are, that's literally where my investment yeah. is. I could have built a cottage on the side and rented it out. And rented it out and yeah. made, but that, more fulfillment out of the well, sunshine. I think I think it's it's more than fulfillment. It's more of a, the South African music industry needs needs this. I know it does. It, the industry doesn't even know yet how much it needs it, and um, it's it's really about the sustainability of it. Because I mean, you could have sixty people paying five grand each. Can you imagine what kind of artists you can get there? Like serious stuff. Serious stuff yeah. And but then you have Moué Chandon is your sponsor, and you've got uh, you know uh, caviar canapes floating around. Do you know what I mean? It can yeah. go from from zero to hero in a heartbeat, and the the environment itself. I mean, potentially it's an amazing supper club. That can be, I don't live there. I can even build something on the side and and make it into a whole venue, uh, a proper sort of like real venue. Yeah. Not that it isn't a real venue, but a dedicated venue. Yeah. 
push that one bar, uh, one wall out where the fridge is downstairs to make that uh, sort of bigger bar area. Uh, so people have said to me, you must make it bigger. But I, I think that that's the whole charm. I suppose the one thing that struck me about going there was that was the realization that I was in your house. I yeah. was in your home. Yeah. And you were hosting us in your home. Yeah. Downstairs you had this amazing artist that you were yeah. hosting as well. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's the charm. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a VIP experience. Okay, so let's talk about other venues that are very similar to that. Du Blowhaunt, I mean, I'm sure you know, the yes. Blowhaunt used to be up here in Linden. Yeah. It's now in Pretoria. Yeah. I, I used to love going there. I saw Albert Frost there, I saw Anna Carson's there. It also had a nice feeling about it, but it was a little bit more, it was like this, tables, an artist up in the front there and yeah. that's what I like about your venue is that it's this intimacy is there and like you were talking about possibly um, moving out your spot and making it into a bigger yeah. venue and all that kind yeah. of stuff that's it what that was that was an old house yeah. that they'd converted into this venue and they had this nice bar and they had almost like a almost like a CBL here these kind of tables and then they did this whole thing where you got your your food in the dog bowl and okay. you had a three-course meal you know you had soup you had a main meal and you had some malva pudding with custard or whatever in between they would they would have honor Carson's or albert frost or whoever yeah. playing yeah which was which was amazing yeah. that was a little bit more staged like and this. and more restaurant feel yeah it was more restaurant yeah. Feel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you see the thing is that if you look at how that what I've done, it is trailblazing because it's never been done before in that way as yeah. I understand it. Definitely yeah. not in Joburg. There's, there are a few people that do house concerts and some of them just do it on their lawn outside. Some of them are in their garage, some of them are just inside and they move the couches out the way and they do their, their thing. But the, the idea I wanted to um, sort of bring across to people my effort is the fact that you've got um, almost a dedicated theatre. So it's, it's uh, but the theatre can transform into a club very easily. There's lasers and smoke machines there, they're light, I mean it's, it's a club, it's literally a club. So, and having that with your house upstairs, so what, what happens is people park their cars and they're not quite sure if this is the right place. Then they go inside and immediately because the house is laid out the way it is, it's immediately like, oh my word. But let's just take it a step back. Because it's very open plan. Open plan. Yeah. But actually getting there and some people maybe get lost and go through Hillbrow or Yeovil, so there's a bit of a panic to get there. A lot of people are very nostalgic about that part of town because it's where they used to draw and Papita and all of that yes, story. Exactly, yeah. And so they come through and then when they get there outside first, oh, are we in the right place? Second, go inside, oh, this is amazing. But then when you go downstairs, you completely haven't even got it in your head what outside looks like anymore. Exactly. You're in a completely different world. So the whole experience of going into that sort of fourth dimension or fifth dimension is part of focusing the audience on what you're there to do. do yeah, exactly. So you go into the other venues like you described, you still very much know where you are because yeah. you're still there. Yes. Whereas at mine, when you actually are watching the show. You, like you lose, 
yeah, you lose sense of self in a way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. and it's all about your relationship now that you have in with the artists, which is a quite an amazing experience because there are many artists that find that very confrontational. So like the first time that Dan was there, I mean, okay, how did you get Dan there the first time? Chasing, lots of chasing, chasing lots okay. of chasing. And friends, and there was this one guy, Craig Feldman, who used to, or still does, chauffeur his family around, you know, takes them to the airport or whatever, so there was a, got a bow and scrape, and, but once the relationship is there. And the first time that Dan had to play there, I mean, you were talking about people, um, you know, feeling intimidated, artists feeling intimidated, maybe by the, the smallness of the venue and the intimacy of it. I mean, how did Dan feel about Dan's it? Dan's got a lot more comfortable. Uh, in my opinion, yeah. he's he's grown into it, and maybe it's not the only reason. But way back, I said to him, "So, can't you do your electric uh, set here?" He said, "No, make your ears bleed. You can't do yeah. that in here." <laughs> so that a whole transformation because you can yeah. see the size of his amp on that picture there. Yeah. It's just a very small little amp that he's got going, and it's it's going to bring out a whole different element of his electric guitar player, which I think for, you, you know, I, can't, I, see, I see the music box as a laboratory. Yeah. But it's got to be a laboratory used and patronized by people that are willing to make sure that artists are paid. Because you can't say, listen, I, I don't want to drink, I don't want to eat, all I want to do is come, can't I just pay 50 rand? I'm like, uh, well, 50 rand isn't, the artist, well, that's not, uh, I can't do that. You know, and it's not about uh, drink because actually, drink is very, very cheap. It's not expensive stuff. Yeah. You can make it expensive, which is exactly how people make their business go. Yeah. But for me, it's more about uh, creating a threshold or bar because you 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 get a certain type of person there that yeah. doesn't come because of that reason and that's perfect yeah not not being classes but and and let's face it you go now and have a salad and a beer and whatever in parkhurst you're also yeah. going to end up paying four or five hundred dollars you, you don't you know. get the entertainment you don't no it's nothing so in terms of 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 the uniqueness and the, the bespokeness or haute couture it's it's a specially designed garment that's tailor-made around you and that's uh, as as a as as the audience i think a lot of people that come and see an artist or a band like in uh, march's wonderboom yeah. you're going to see them in a completely different light than if you go and see them at, at the radium on saturday night and not knocking it but it's a different it, it brings something else out of the artist as well because yeah. it's a, it is so confrontational. There are no tables in front of the people, so you've got this mass of, of people. people just and looking at exactly, you with nothing in between. That's the point, is that yeah. everyone is focused yeah. on the artists. It's yeah. not like, like you say, the people sitting around a table, yeah. potentially having a bit of a conversation, yeah. and the artist happens to be playing that's in it. the background. If you are having a conversation, yeah. and while the band or the artist is playing, more often than not, you get kind of vibes from people around you. Like we're here to, we're here to see yeah. the artists. You go somewhere else, you, 
there is no vibe about that because that's what you do around yeah. the table. You talk and you and more yeah. drunk you yeah, get, you more you're not looking at what's going on on stage. So I'll tell you a story. When I was in Canada, uh, I've got a friend in Canada who's a drummer in a band. But anyway, he took me out. We went out for dinner and then his fiance was playing and singing in a little pub and they often have live artists playing there. Go check her out. So we went there, sitting at the bar there, probably about 15 or 20 of us in the establishment. The guy that was hosting it was from one of the radio stations in Toronto. And he said in the beginning, please, when the artists are playing, please give them all your attention. Please don't be having a conversation on the side while these people, because they're playing acoustic. There was a group of people next to us. And while the artists were playing, these people were jabbering along. After the song, the guy came back again and said, please. He said to that group, please, you've asked you nicely, please can you not be having a conversation while the guys are playing? Because they're playing these songs, the mandate was they had to two originals and one cover. And I mean, it's acoustic stuff, so you know, it's, and it's telling your stories after the second time. He made it so awkward for those people that they actually left. But then after they had left, it was much better because now you could actually listen to what the people were singing about. You know, there is a certain amount of, when you're watching uh, an artist and you moved and you, whatever, and you sit in next to a person, you say, ah, it's, it's, like it's just something else, you know yeah. what I mean? A comment, but you can't be sitting and having a whole conversation. conversation. Very awkward when people don't have the audience etiquette, you know? Yeah. Because it's it's almost like somebody giving a speech. You're not going to sit and chat all the way through. You might have a comment yeah. to the person next to you or whatever, but the main but thrust of it is. Yeah, yeah. So that's you know yeah. the music box definitely lends itself to itself that. To that yeah. 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 So you say Vonneboom is going to be playing in March? Vonneboom's 29th of March, it's a Friday. Not a Saturday, it's a fri uh, Friday. And then uh, hopefully Runaway Train Cult uh, soon after that. I don't think April because of Easter. Okay. That's a problem always. Not a problem, but people are always busy. And I uh, hope and pray for Art Matthews and Jesse Clegg and we'll see what i'm also quite tempted just to do something or someone that nobody knows and just see what happens <laughs> put okay. it out there and yeah. sort of kind of test my database yeah. in terms of you know i don't know if you know taylor she's now anna wolf she's performed there before okay and also like a very deep a deep performer but a lot of people love her eh? okay, a lot of people really right, love her yeah. it's it really is about finding the right artist i'm always on the lookout for people who know people who's that woman who's clout she's uh, claire johnson is it no, no Claire Johnson's Manga Group. Yeah, Manga Group. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she possibly her. Okay. And uh, the woman from Clout. Okay. She's yeah. also on the cards. So just on the castings. Mm. But I, whoever, like, if it's Dan or whoever comes, I always ask them. So who've you got good relationships that I can possibly yeah, yeah. call? Or because yeah. it's about referral. If Dan says, look, 
I play at this place and it's really awesome. Always on the lookout for, you know, if you come to me and you say, here's a, a Jack Thomas. Yeah. He's super, got his own following. Yeah. And I say, okay, bring, yeah. he brings 40 people, I'll bring 20. I'm the first to stand up and say, look, my reputation as such, even after seven years as an impresario, I can't just take anybody and put them there and have a full house. But that's what I'm working toward, which is a relationship. And even if the people who I really know don't know that artist, they're willing to come for a good night out, no matter who's yeah, playing. Yeah. I just need 60 of those. Well, actually, you need 120 of those because yes. half of them are busy. Can you imagine you being the, the venue that new artists introduce themselves or start getting traction? Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's the, like almost like they, yes. you know, the, it's the stepping stone to stardom for them in yes. South Africa. 100%. Imagine if you were that venue. I, I can see it happening. Yeah. Because I mean, if you look at all the big artists who took overseas, like where did they start playing? They were playing in places like this yeah. where yeah. people didn't even know who they were, but they were coming to the venue. Yeah. I think if you're looking at the the nature of the venue. It actually schools the artist into intimate settings that in London, New York, Paris are a dime a dozen. And yeah. you need to know how to play in yeah. those. And you need to have the confidence to be able to play in those sort of confrontational venues yeah. that are really yeah. up in your face and people are really looking at you and there's no sort of place to hide. There's yeah. no space in between you and the stage. Yeah. So it gives them that confidence. And, you know, uh, if by chance it does get to that point where um, I am able to usher uh, South African artists into, you know, as, as a kickstart because yeah. if you've played at the music box, things happen for you because there's always, a, I mean, ideally get it live streamed. That would be amazing for coverage. Absolutely. There's a certain amount of um, development in terms of technology and Lots, lots of development that can Technology is, like you say, putting you in a position where live streaming is yeah. pretty cool. And a place to launch an album, it's perfect. Place to... Nice and intimate. And, and, and VIP. Yeah. For me, I know, you know I'm that kind of guy. I like to connect with the artist. You know, I don't want to be that like, um, uh, nagging fan or whatever. But it, the fact that, like, for instance, the last time I was there, have a conversation with Dan afterwards, ask him, hey man, what was it like to play with Joe Satrioni? Because yeah. I mean, I'm a Joe Satrioni fan. I mean, here is an artist who toured with Joe Satrioni in Europe. Yeah. You know, it's like a nice run? connection. You know? Um, so, you know, like that VR, yeah. you know, that being able to be intimate with, a, with, with an artist. But is, somebody uh, like Dan is also, um, artists have different kind of levels of being out there and like Dan in halftime he'll never he'll never mingle at halftime he goes and he Does, recharges yeah. and then comes back fair enough, fair enough, and yeah. some artists just hang out and chat to you the whole night but at least you've got the opportunity there to um, have a really in-depth conversation with an artist if they up for it yeah yeah sure whereas you're not going to have that at the barnyard well look it's the hardest thing that I've ever done I mean my it's not my day job because five, yeah. 
shows last year wouldn't really do much. So, so what is your day job, by the way? I, I facilitate... Um, I use interactive music processes in mainly in the mining industry. Okay. So I play music with people. Okay. But, uh, so they've all got an instrument and I facilitate them into uh, sort of production, if you like. And all around the message that the company uh, wants to deliver to the workforce. So it's okay. almost like a communication tool yeah. for companies. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's different. No, cool. Again, it, it's... Is cool. it difficult? Well, not yeah, as difficult got, as the music box. clients or...? No, I build all the time. I've been yeah. going for 20 years now. Yeah, okay. So... So it's sustainable, but it's still... It is, but, you know, working for yourself, I mean... Yeah. No, it's not the easiest thing in the world. But as I said, the music box is the most difficult thing for me. I mean, it's... it's but I mean, you obviously get a lot of enjoyment out of it. I do. Because otherwise you would have thrown the towel in a long time ago. Because well, it can't be easy. It must be almost like a passion project. It is a passion project. But you've got a long term. Long term. Long term. And also, like, as I said, five shows last year, maybe, you know, if I kind of going through and I'm very busy and maybe only one show this year, who knows? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's for me. But it doesn't. It doesn't really. Um, there's no pressure on me to, you know, keep. Up. But my day job, there is a lot of pressure to keep yeah. that and to make that all happen. And then my company's Mass Appeal Productions, and Mass Appeal Productions powers the music box. Sure. So it's it needs both of them really kind of need to work hand in hand and who knows where it goes in the future but at this stage it's very much a, a passion project but a passion project with a purpose as well yeah, there's exactly. got to be relationships forged mm. I mean you know to get Dan Petlansky to come and play in your house I mean I'll give you the number of his agent you can try but not an easy thing exactly. not an easy thing and the more relationships that I get with the artists so all I need is really a, a menu of 15 fantastic acts, 15 fantastic acts, and eight shows a year, maybe nine shows a year. And in between that, I've done many birthday parties for people. Okay. So if there's a birthday party. So your, party, your venue's available for people yeah. to have? Yeah. yeah they pay. Yeah. But it's it's also a tricky thing because um, you know people people are funny. They kind of think that now that they are paying you X for the birthday, this is their house now, and it's not. And that's yeah. there's always a because I'm I'm you know then they say no, we don't want anybody upstairs. We want we don't want people to have access upstairs. Now for me that's a no go. You have to have because when you come in the door, you meet, then you know that I'm. You know, yeah. I'm the host and I, this is my home. Because then you've got a completely different respect to if it's just a downstairs club. So, you know, that's where you've got to kind of put your foot down and say, no, upstairs has to be open. No, but we don't want to be responsible for all the damage. And then I'm thinking, well, what well, kind of yeah, people well, exactly. you like? To, you know, so yeah, you it's the easy. You know, I, I, I believe in time that we'll get like 10 stellar shows a year. Because the, the brand needs to be out there. You can't do anything in January. You can't do anything in December. You can't do anything in, at Easter. Okay. So, so you've, you've got nine months. Yeah, so nine months. 
and if you do 10 shows, that's the most I've ever done yeah. in a year, then you, you know, that's, that's 600 people you've had through the door, which every time I do a show, then somebody, yeah. uh, people who, who aren't on the mailing list write themselves down, they're on the mailing list, yeah. so that grows. I've got yeah. now 600 people on the mailing list. Which isn't a lot, but it's genuine 600. It's not yeah. like I've bought yeah. them or something. Yeah, sure. I think word of mouth is yeah. probably the best. And a certain amount of social media. Yeah. I need to get like some whiz kid to come in there and say, listen, I'll do your social media. I'll just hang out at the bar, and but I'll make sure that yeah. people come. Yeah. Whoever's playing, doesn't matter who. I don't know if you know by Benico. Amazing. Hi. Got them through my daughter very good friends with my daughter, Lenny D. And um, so now you don't know this, but when you hear that, the, that yeah. they're at the music box, you come and then you're like, oh, these people are amazing, yeah. you know? A completely different genre to yeah. what you would might normally be used to or like, but the idea is that South Africa has got a huge amount of talent yeah. that doesn't really know how to market itself. They don't have the marketing strategy right I mean is there well that's the machine that somebody like Dan has really got right and that's 50% of of what he does yeah it has to be done right so you know the business side of it I think is is really what's lacking now and that's what the artists really have to get right and if they looked at it uh, just the same way as I suppose I've got to look at social media properly you've got to look at, at, at really being uh, making an effort to every single show making sure that people are buying tickets for your show yeah now how do you do that that's the trick and not only they buying the tickets because you're a very talented musician but buying the tickets because they've got a relationship with you now how do you do that with thousands of fans well it starts off small and that's what I'm saying 60 people so if you can't get 60 people to come and watch you yeah but then you realize even however good you are to actually get 20 people to pay and come and watch you they pay money but that that time that they're spending that Saturday night is devoted to you now so it's there's a lot of factors involved there yeah, exactly. so how do you you know and i i do the same but a lot of the time it's about me uh, you know like you saw when you paid i zapped that uh, uh, sms back i've received yeah. your payment uh, yeah. so it's it's about making you feel confident that i'm there for you and your money's there because yeah. there's no ticket you know uh, there's no yeah. physical Ticket from Compu Ticket. So the whole relationship that I've got with some, as I said, there's quite a few people that won't go and watch live music anywhere else. And you know, the the more of the wow factor that you can bring in with somebody that is, say, more well known than somebody who's not, that's part of the X factor in this whole thing. So there's a happy medium. But it's, you know, you get a, a totally unknown artist who can convince 40 people to come. Hey, I'm good for 20. Yeah. Definitely. 
you got they'll a, be you there. You've got a gig going, yeah. Even yeah. half. Yeah. So, match. So, you say 25. Okay. Yeah. I'll make sure they're 25. Or at least that you will get paid for whatever the ticket price is that I'm giving you from the ticket price, whatever value, yeah. you'll get 25 of those. How's it going? How's hey, it going? Good morning. This is my buddy Oleg. Oleg, yeah. how's it? Pleased to meet this you. Pleased to meet Clint. you. So you know the music box that I told you about? Yeah. This is uh, it's his spot, eh? Awesome. Yeah. Um, I definitely like to come through on some stage with my wife. Just have a chill with me. Stuff. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Anyway, Glenn, that was awesome. Thanks so much. Thank for you, chat. bro. Look good. I mean, yeah, I hope you can do something with that. If not, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll have that chat again. Yes. That's it. Exactly. So that was the conversation. If you've made it to the end of the episode. Thank you very much for listening to the episode. This one was a very rough one. I did very little editing. I try to keep it real, just a conversation with a guy. And that's what it was. Two guys having a beer or two on a Friday, having a conversation about something we're both passionate about, local music. Anyway, thanks again for listening. The usual stuff. Follow the links in the, in the podcast notes. Subscribe. Drop me a message. Add a comment, buy a t-shirt, and don't forget to check out the next episode in two weeks' time. And that, my friends, is the end. I'll catch you next time.